This is Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Hi, buddy. How are you doing? Hey, bro. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! I'm Papa Ramburitas from the band Ghost. You see, I have these female orgasmic enhancers that oh, we sell that feature the logo from the band Ghost on them. And you see, if you want to be a real fan of Ghost, you, you, must, fall up the you stage. must buy these. And if you called in the Doom Hammer, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I'm going to take a breath and do that again. <sighs> and if you called in the Doom Hammer, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Yo. That is Jeff. That is the doom hammer what up yo buddy is in house and we are talking about living sacrifice tonight living sacrifice (laughs) oh my god it seems like every holiday i show up what's up with that i know right it's really weird you'd have family in town or something it's really weird it's like i'm the holiday guest maybe we should tone down the kidnapping (laughs) well joe's uh, kidnapping jeff don't say anything about kidnapping i'll get (laughs) jeff's been really sensitive about kidnapping lately because of the times that Josh has shown up. Yeah. It's been I, awkward. That's because his trunk is really nice. I may have put a GPS tracker on you and set coordinates a couple of times. I'm sorry about oh, that. Oh, Josh Fuck was like, you, dude. Josh was like, <laughs> Josh was like, hey, buddy, can you, can you send me those coordinates? Because I need to know where Jeff is right now. And buddy's like, I don't really care because he's sending me money. That's and right. So that was that. So I just, you know, <laughs> beep, beep, uh, boop, so. boop, boop, boop. You're doing all kinds of fancy shit to my phone. Is that what's happening? Absolutely. So tonight we've decided that we are going to talk about the fantastic band Living Sacrifice. Living Sacrifice. Honestly, to me, one of the most underrated bands in metal history. Because, oh my God, guys, it's a Christian metal band. How are they underrated when they're considered by many to be the definitive band? In the Christian scene. I think they remain relatively unknown in the mainstream mainstream or non-Christian scene or whatever you call that. Secular. Succular. Succulent? I don't do succulent. <laughs> That's topical because hey, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're turkey so succulent. <laughs> We're talking about Christian metal and discography discussion. Yeah, I had my turkey this, this year As on the smoker. Usual. So who here deep fried? I, no, nope. mine was on the smoker. It was fantastic. I, I oven. It Traditional was be- it oven, was- but covered in bacon. Yeah, I oven oven and bacon. Cooked. Yeah, oh, boy. hell yeah. The Everything's turkey. better with bacon. <laughs> Even living sacrifice. Oh man, dude, everything's better. I imagine with if bacon. I was listening to Living Sacrifice and there was bacon, I'd I'd it'd be, be fine. fucking eating some bacon, it'd be man. Fine. I mean, the bacon would probably be black. It would you be know, fine. Like it'd be that's extra crispy. So <laughs> yeah. I'm down with that. Exactly. Buddy's always going to extra crispy bacon. Yeah, I don't like the wimpy bacon. Yeah, the floppy bacon is stupid. So on this that's episode, like a <laughs> and we went too far. So on this episode of the discography discussion, oh, that's from South we Park. will be discussing the band Living Sacrifice, uh, their career uh, from their first album to their last, or their most recent, rather, they're still around. And uh, at the very end, we have a special treat for you guys. We actually have an interview between uh, ourselves and uh, the vocalist of Death Therapy and bassist of Death Therapy, Jason Wisdom. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, how do yeah. we pull that off? I don't uh, know. We're... I asked asked nicely. Yeah, I asked politely, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. Yeah, and And if you guys uh, haven't checked out Death Therapy, 
if you're into industrial metal, you need to check it out because it's really, really good. It's definitely you, worth your time. And if you don't like industrial metal, you should still check it out because it's still that check good. Check it out because it is pretty great. And he has a prior band to that, uh, becoming the archetype, which is uh, more like metalcore. Probably what I'd put that in the context of, and it's also really great as well. And you yes, should be tuning into Discography discussion because it's going to be coming up real soon. Yeah, yes, if, you're into, if you're into metal metal, then you'll like <laughs> becoming the architect. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll have that interview with Jason uh, later on in the episode. And uh, but we uh, we decided we're going to sit down and we're going to have ourselves a. Uh, wonderful post-Thanksgiving discussion on a band that I would consider to be a metal feast, Living Sacrifice. Before we get into that, I'm going to take some time to say thank you to everyone for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And Dan is going to tell you all about five-star reviews. So five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. It is literally one of our favorite things. However, if you are not impressed or you feel like we could do better, let us know. Give us whatever review you think we deserve. But the positive side to five-star reviews is that it allows us to come up in search results. So if you type something like Metal Podcast, Discography Discussion is more likely to come up with the more five-star reviews that it has. So keep that in mind when reviewing. I usually give you guys a one-star. That's I mean, you only give us the one star on the ones Get out that of your house. <laughs> on the ones that you're not on. Is that That's how right. it works? Yeah, yeah you're on it, on. and all of a sudden, magically, it's yeah, a five it's a star five review. Star. And then when I'm not so on the next how it week. works. Yeah, exactly. Money's all right, so if there's hype. any other assholes out there that want to be on the <laughs> podcast, apparently, all you have to do is give us a five star review and you magically appear. <laughs> oh, no. You need to give us a $100 Patreon pledge. Okay. Let me try that again. Wait. You need to give us a $100 Patreon pledge, and then you can co host an episode of Discography Discovery. Dan gets to pick the band. Which I've not done, by the way. I've just known these buttheads for like 20 years. It's going to be Ganglia. (laughs) Oh, fuck yeah. I'm down for that, man. Dude, I was... Jeff Wood. Jeff was impressed. I I actually... I liked being tortured, so... (laughs) (laughs) Who likes this? Says a lot about your personal He's into that sort of thing. So anyway... Living sacrifice, guys. Let's uh, let's start off. Let's talk about our personal history with the band. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and put Buddy on the spot. When was the first time you heard Living Sacrifice, Buddy? Okay, so I'm pretty positive that the first time we heard it, uh, I don't remember who had the sampler. It was a uh, solid state sampler, I believe. It was Dan. He's pointing at himself like a big dork. We took a listen to it and we saw that the song Flatline was on there and so we listened to it and it just blew us out of the water we were like this is so amazing we gotta go find this album and so we found out it was off of their album um, uh, Hammering Process process. that's right and uh so we went to the record store and it was like fourteen ninety nine, and we each had seven bucks or something like that between us. So we co-bought the album, and then I kept it. Yeah, you kept it, and then I. Took <laughs> that a sounds like copy. typical Dan. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, because he contributed the extra cents to get it there, so he technically owned more of it. So I that's like, well, how I, guess I I'll take a second it. mortgage out of my house, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like Bart and Milhouse and Martin all over again. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, that record still remains my favorite. You know, holds true to the first one is your favorite, probably, but... Which record know. store is this again? Oh, it's gone now. CD Warehouse. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it, it might have moved, but yeah. Yeah, they were good. They're, yeah, they're still. Bought, I think uh, there's still one in South County. We bought Project Eighty Six's yeah. uh, Truthless Heroes from there too. Yep. Yep. And Buddy is still spinning that. Yep. Oh, he, I Buddy am. does That's still, still spin it every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, Truthless Heroes is probably still one of my favorites. That and yeah, Hammering Process. I'm still listening to those Ooh, absolutely. to this day. I love those. Albums. I think Buddy and I might get along on this. Uh, yeah, well, we're gonna podcast. have to. We're gonna have to go back in time a little bit, though, aren't we? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, unfortunately, leave me with that. I'm gonna go to Dan's cassette collection on this one and say 1991. Living sacrifice, self-titled Living Sacrifice. Slayer called. Right. You're doing a good job. Keep do it up, you, guys. Do you? Do you have anything to say, Jeff? Uh, Not quite yet, but okay. Uh, it's. Uh, it's tolerable. Music, musically, it, you know, sonically, it's good. Vocally, no. Really, on the self-titled, it's okay. It's not good. You think that? Do you think the DJ doesn't sound as good? I think he sounds way better than you know the next record, but yeah, we haven't gotten to that I mean, yet. Well, I didn't I say he sounded- sounds like. I think this sounds like straight Slayer. Well, vocals from Slayer I view is just adequate. So wow. Well, you know, the definition of adequate actually show? means to, you know, wholly comprehend the uh, obligation. <laughs> it shows that's what happened. Well, okay, so it, it's no secret that the first Living Sacrifice album, self-titled, sounds a lot like Slayer. Probably the band's biggest influence. Yeah. So, and, and, I, I, and I will still say to this day that the weakest link on every Slayer song, period, is vocals. You think so? Yep. I think they're very adequate for the type of music. See, you use my word adequate. Yeah. It's not phenomenal. It's, it's not kinda great. Like when I, it's kind of like when I called Dimebag Daryl competent. Now you're, you're going to get yourself in like trouble that. again. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be controversial just to be a dick. I'm just saying what I truly feel. You're, you were having fun with that. I honestly I think don't care for the, the vocals. I think DJ sounds good on this record. Yeah, I don't think he, he doesn't as, sound bad. As far as matching up to the sound of music that they were trying to make. Right. So the first Living Sacrifice album. And maybe that's my problem is, is that that style just doesn't do it for me. Possible. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily agreeing with you, Jeff, but I mean, Slayer is never really, you know, a big thing for me either. Yeah, Slayer, but, Anthrax, those two just didn't. They did not. Uh, they didn't uh, light my uh, pilot okay, light. It doesn't okay, pay okay. me to listen to it though. Slayer and Anthrax are nothing alike. Well, I'm just talking about like the thrash. I'm pretty sure Slayer doesn't have a song called "I'm the Man." I hope not. No. <laughs> and the question is, if they did, would they get away with it? Absolutely no, it not. is fucking Slayer. Maybe. So the first Living Sacrifice album, 1991. This is a Slayer esque. Type of record, and I really enjoy it. I think the solos are good, but one of the things that's the most notable about it is the speed, the heaviness. There's an actual bottom end on this, even on the cassette, and I really enjoy it because of the melodic guitar work by one Mr. Jason Truby. 
Yeah, True Beast. Awesome. Where have I, mean, I heard I, that it, name before? I wonder where. <laughs> hmm. Just don't think about it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Truby makes it awesome. There's a song, um, and shit, I can't remember for the life of me. Yeah, it's because it's really hard to find their early stuff. Their first three albums, I yeah, believe you're going to be looking. No, I believe it's uh, between Second Death and Obstruction. Where if you actually have the tape, those songs are actually mixed together into one song. And there's this really awesome, like, slow melodic interlude between those two songs. And I think it's really cool, and I think it's I think it's better than what Slayer was putting out at the time. Interesting. I mean, at the time... Most 91? Of, yeah, 91. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying it's better than Rain and Blood, but what I am saying is that it's... Um, it's definitely a more, I don't know, I feel like the band is heavier, crunchier than Slayer, and uh, their Cat Strangler solos are on point. <laughs> That's something that Early Living Sacrifice did a lot of, almost too much, but yeah, they grabbed the Cat Strangler and just, you know, shrieked it out. Absolutely. Um, and I definitely think that the first album is, um, is definitely... Slayer-esque and could be accused of being the Christian Slayer. Like, remember when they used to have those lists where, be like, if you like this band, then you should listen to this band. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah, now you have algorithms that do that for you. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. And in the, the case of, Pan of uh, Pandora, not very well. So the, the oh, downside... that's why they're Spotify. The downside to this for me is that as good as, of a record as this is, one thing that really bothers me is how all the lyrics rhyme. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. Yeah, and I'm actually... That bothers me almost nil, because I don't pay attention to but the lyrics. But metal lyrics aren't supposed to rhyme. That's okay. You know what? Ha you know what? It's if, just weird to me. You know, it was their first album. I'll but cut that's a break. like... When you, when you do, like, rhyming yeah, lyrics, that two. means you really had to sit down and think of, okay, here's what I wanted to say, but, oh, That's well, this doesn't rhyme. On this one. So now I need to think of something else here. Well, I feel rhyme? like to make it rhyme. I feel like the lyrics, are, I feel like the lyrics are straight <laughs> up. bag? <laughs> I feel like the lyrics here are straight up, like, biblical. And they rhyme, and they're, like, perfect in stanzas, and it... It means that he's a really good writer. So that means he does he do everything in iambic pentameter? Um, I don't know what you just said. Man, right. I remember I used to remember what that meant, and I've totally forgotten. All right. Okay, we can beat the dead That's horse. Ten. That is the self-titled "Living Sacrifice," or we can move on to non-existent, which oh, I know no. Jeff does not want to do. We're well, not moving on to anything because it's non-existent. <laughs> it's just nah. The vocals are so bad on this album that I can't focus on anything else. Musically, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, because they didn't put anything out that was trash. But, oh my god, worst vocals in the history of this podcast. You think so, really? And it's not even close. I was with you until you said this podcast, but I'm having difficulty proving you wrong. It's because you can't. It's that bad. It's horrible. It, it starts I'd rather, off so good, and then something happens when the vocals right, kick Right, I in. think Emerge was actually done by the band Circle of Dust, <laughs> who's an awesome industrial wow. band who we may or may not be talking about next month. 
Nudge, nudge, grin, grin, wink, yeah. wink, say no more. Bump, 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 bump. <sighs> so, yeah, um, non existent for me is amazing musically. I mean, I'm listening to what we got in our ears because it's been so long since I've heard this. Uh, I heard a track when we were coming down for the you know for the recording, and uh, just hearing how this intro opens, it's so atmospheric, and then it just ruins it as soon ha! as those I was not come the in. first person to say atmospheric. <laughs> you are now entering <laughs> Jeffrey's atmosphere. Oh no, no, this is a nightmare. There's no atmosphere going on here. This, oh, this is what hell sounds like of, for Jeff. This record has tons of atmosphere. I'm just saying. It's my nightmare because the vocals are so bad. In my I mean, opinion. are you are you superficial enough that if you don't like extreme metal vocals, that you can't appreciate the atmosphere presented it's on a record? It's distracting. It's so distracting that I cannot appreciate everything else that's actually good, because there's a lot good going on. It's that bad, in there's, my opinion. There was a part down here where, when we were driving down, DJ had stopped singing, and they broke into this melodic interlude, and you could have swapped CDs with a later Living Sacrifice album and you would have not known the difference. It was that oh, yeah. the band is in there. They're just being covered up at the moment. Yeah, I... Not disagreeing. Yeah. So there's a band that came out around the same time in Florida called Obituary. Yeah. Had a very similar vocal style. Yeah. Except that it was good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, and it, this was not, but see, I don't want to just talk about so I don't want to just talk about the vocals non existent. There were some problems with this record. The first thing was that they were recorded by a guy that didn't know what the hell he was doing, and the band has been very vocal about that. So, like, if you listen to the singing on non existent, if you can call it that. You will hear a lot of like vocals layered on top of vocals. And whenever I hear a single vocal line screamed or whatever the hell you call he's do what he's doing. <laughs> it's um, the Jim Carrey thing from our Arsenio Hall show. Yeah, that's it what sounds it, is. it sounds like somebody that's making fun of death metal vocals. It does. But and that's why I don't like it. It's rough. I mean you can't under okay. You can't understand anything he's saying. And for some people, that's fine. And I'm actually one of those people normally. I, but, I don't necessarily care. Because I'm not paying it, attention to the lyrics anyway. Well, I will tell you the lyrics all rhyme. There's that. <laughs> so, you know, look out for that. But, uh... Gross. This record... This Wrong. record is... <laughs> I listen to enough R&B as a teenager that rhyming does not bother me. But I think this record sounds kind of weird, and it does seem pretty apparent that the person that mixed it or, or produced it doesn't really understand how heavy music is supposed to sound. Uh, so there's a lot of weirdness there. It's um, really they don't understand how the vocals should sound because I don't well, really dude, have a Why is it all about the vocals with you? On this album, it is. It, I, but yes, this album, it's absolutely 110% about the vocals because it's that glaringly off as compared to the rest of the music. It is extremely distracting from what would otherwise be good heavy music. Yeah. For the vocals to be that bad. I'm reminded of a band called Amortium. Dude, Amorium had way better vocals than this. They you mean Amodium AD? They had better vocals, but the vocals were so significantly different sounding from the rest of the record that it was distracting. 
Yeah, I agree. But then again, you know, you could take like synth, you could take like synth pop music and throw some screaming over it, and you got what? What in flames? I was gonna say oh. under oath, but okay. I was uh, gonna say asking um, Alexandria. Right. <laughs> I mean, non-existent <laughs> is just kind of a weird album in Living Sacrifice disc- discography because they started as a thrash band and moved into more of this death metal down-tuned sound, which is awesome. And I think most of the band was on board for that transition, and I just think that the singer, DJ, was just very kind of... He was trying to do something different than the rest of the... than the rest of the songs that they had, which were like just thrash metal. He was trying to do something unique and original, and I think he heard Obituary, and he just did his best impression. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't give him uh, any grief about trying something different. I mean... I've said that more than on one occasion. You, you gotta have to. You have to try. Well, but I mean, how you do can't you do the tried, You can't just do the same thing over and over again. But it, he tried and, 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 and it failed. But I mean, how do you you know record something like this and then you go back and listen to the master? And thinks it sounds good. Yeah, like what, the only thing I can think of is that you know there's something that is lost in the translation from the masters down to you know the CD and tapes. Uh, you know, like, d- did we lose something in that, or did the mixing screw it up? You know, like, what happened here that you could let that out the door? No, dude, the vocals were just bad. And I think it got to a certain point where people were just like, well, okay. If this the, is uh, what we got. Yeah. If the, if the, yeah, if it the sounded singer, like it came out somebody's ass. Right. Yeah. So if the singer, you know, just was like, this is what I have done, this is my thing deal with it it was like um they did it in one night because you know they were like guys guys i got this idea let's put a box of x lax it could, in it DJ's could be because this was and we'll just put a mic in the bathroom and record that hey you know what sometimes that works because that was um that's how weird al made his first I album i think he tried his best and that was it you know and, and it sounded like shit yeah. It sounds like what I smell. <laughs> it's like, so, it, like something came out of Dan's ass. It just sounds bad, <laughs> but the thing is is that I think the music on this is completely redeemable. Um you've yeah, got I would a lot really, of, I think I would, got, I would like of, to hear the music without the vocals. Yeah, you've got a I lot really of would. fast tempo songs with really cool melodic breaks. And that's which, all which is Jason exactly Trudy, what I like. man. Like that guy was a, a genius, genius of melody. He was great. Like all the melodic shit that you like on Reborn, that was all Truby, dude. Yeah, I mean, there was a dude we knew in high school uh, that he had bought these first three Living Sacrifice albums, and uh, non-existent was like his favorite, and we never understood why it was his favorite. But when you listen to it, all the music, you know, you can clearly see why he loved it. Uh, it's just, you know, you, if you got to be able to make it past those vocals to be able to get to that. You guys have any standout tracks on non-existent? Absolutely not. Uh, I like nope. Enthroned. He did, you notice how he just went right past? He knew and exactly we wouldn't. Really, <laughs> I really like, yeah, I like that song, and I also like Void Expression. Those are my two favorites. Yeah, I've not listened to this enough because you know I can't get past those vocals. You know what my favorite is? The next record? Hey, you gonna blasphemy? No, I was gonna say when it ends. So, <laughs> the sound of silence. It's only f- <laughs> it's only forty minutes. You All right, so I it. like minute forty-one. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna take a piss, and then we're gonna come back and talk about inhabit. I think it's time to talk about inhabit. What about you, Dan? <laughs> I do. This is better. 
Oh, this is way better. It's not even close. It's like night and day. I mean, I almost feel like he's just talking, and then they just pitch shifted his voice down a little bit, which is kind of cool like, sounding. It actually sounds like that. But this yeah. is a one hundred eighty-seven percent improvement over. Yeah, it's non-existent. It's, it's weird. It's the sound Why one hundred eighty-seven? Is that like? Uh, well, they kill killed it? the they last killed? record. Or they killed it on this record. Oh. Well, oh. I just don't know <laughs> what's wrong with a standard guttural death metal cookie monster growl. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, how is that so hard? Well, I can't do it. But think. it is, apparently. For DJ. Yeah. Even though he fucking does it <sighs> on this record a bunch of times. Well, I've been doing it for, you know, how many years now? DJ sounds a lot better on this. And it's weird, too, because I've seen live videos of DJ, and he sounds different than he sounds on the records, and he sounds really good. So it's really weird. It's like the many faces of DJ, like, you know, like, what is this guy going to do next? I don't know what he's going to do next. Well, do Jeff mentioned do Arsenio next? Hall and Jim Carrey earlier. This sounds like what I think Jim Carrey would have sounded like if he was the lead singer of a death metal band. Maybe. Um, here's the thing, though. I really like Inhabit, and I take it very seriously as a death metal album. Absolutely. It is one of the best. It is heavy, technical, melodic, and doesn't, you know, waste my time. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, because uh, I can I can much easily, much more easily listen to, uh, you know, these tough guy-ish type vocals. Um, you know, it's not that far cry of, you know that far removed from like tough guy hardcore or something like that um it's it's a lot easier to listen to and get into for me this sounds like the last of the slayer influenced living sacrifice it was tuned down the sepultura was starting to sneak its way in stay tuned for reborn ladies and gentlemen yeah i thought it reborn is really whenever i got the sepultura influence oh, oh, i don't hear absolutely. a sepultura influence Until joe i just him. hear I just hear, you know, just the downtune early sludge. to mid '90s death metal. Um, I hear obituary in this. I hear um, absolutely a little bit of like entombed, especially with the melodic sections. This record is extremely melodic and it's super technical and it's like really hard for normal people to play. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I mean the, the cat stranglers abound on this record. There are so many thrash metal, you know, um, solos. But at the same time, you've got Jason Truby's super melodic sensibility going on. So you have songs, like at the very end, there's a song called Departure. And it's just, it's fucking haunting, dude. Like this record is one of the best death metal records I've ever heard. And I can't, I don't want to understate that. You know, like, yeah, the vocals aren't as good as, like, something like Gorguts or something like that, but, like, I really like them. When do we get to talk about Gorguts? Oh, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll talk about Gorguts sometime. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I mean, I really love this record, and I'm not too hung up about the vocals because, like, there's a certain sense of, like, dude, you're into extreme metal. How much of a bitch are you going to be about the vocals? You know, is that a shot think, at me? And I think this sounds, um, <laughs> and I think this sounds a lot better and a lot more palatable, I guess, if you're that kind of person where you just can't handle anything that's different than what you normally listen to. Oh no, that's and, definitely uh, not a shot at no, me because I like going totally um, weird. What was on non-existent was just not. I, I there's something different about that one. You just can't. There's a swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah, you, it you was. just can't do that. It, you know, that's not, not too bad. 
two out of the first three albums we all in this room like. So I think we're we're fine. But with guys, that. I mean, like, holy shit, the drums on Inhabit, dude. This is brutal, man. This, this is, yeah. is great. Really heavy for '94. Yeah. This is and napalm from a, death territory. And coming of heavy. from a Christian band of no less, you know, yeah. like this was, this was really good death metal, and uh, you know, I think it was really interesting the direction that they took after this, and um, you know, th- this was uh, this is the end of what you would call the first era of Living Sacrifice, the first three albums. Yeah, because this was DJ's last album as being the singer. Yes, yep. and it was. Well, it was his last album, period. He yeah, hasn't been right. on a single Living Sacrifice yeah. album since then. You get what I mean. Yeah, he um, uh, didn't he, he focused on his ministry after this. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not sure what happened exactly. There's a really good uh, there's a really good interview with DJ on um, As the Story Grows uh, with Travis. Oh, shit, I didn't realize Travis interviewed him. He nice. interviewed DJ. Um, I'm going to have to talk look about that episode. They talk about all that stuff, so it's a good listen for sure. Awesome. So, moving into the second era of Living Sacrifice. Um, 1997. Yeah, so there was like a, what, a three-year gap here, Joe? Just about. Yeah. yeah. And this was their debut on Solid Dan State. Dan does math. This was their debut on Solid State Records. And it's this is a whole nother beast, man. Yeah, it this is. This is not death metal. So the biggest change obviously is the DJ's gone. He's been replaced by a bass player. And then Bruce Fitzhugh, guitarist of Living Sacrifice, uh stepped up to the vocal role of the band. Man, we we're glad he did, because that dude's got crazy some vocals. beastly vocal pipes on him. Yeah, he does. He does. He uh he definitely screams. It's more of a hardcore scream on Reborn. Not as much of the death metal growl, the grit, which is weird because I wonder, like, when they were first writing this, if they were playing songs, like, if they were playing shows live, was, like, Bruce singing over the old Living Sacrifice stuff? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that, and if we ever get Bruce on the show, we will definitely ask that question. Yeah, I'd like to know where he was, you know, he was hiding for the first three albums. He's a beast. It's... He's unstoppable. Absolutely. <laughs> well, when you start a band, Absolutely. typically a metal band, you pick a role and you fill the other roles. Nobody sets out to be the guitarist and lead singer of a metal band. It's, Absolutely. It's It doesn't happen by design. It happens by necessity. See Metallica, James Hetfield. Right, and the understanding that I had was that uh, they just didn't want to go outside of the band. To find a replacement. To find a replacement singer because the singer well, thank, is a really I'm very thankful that yeah. they didn't go yeah, outside. Because he's a very is, iconic this, Yeah. Um it's a very iconic role in a band to be the lead singer and Bruce Fitzhugh definitely you know really fit that bill. And I have mad respect for anybody that sings and plays guitar, especially with how complicated some of this living sacrifice stuff actually is. It's freaking hard. I mean, you know, I remember when we were in uh, high school I it was in like a drama class or something and we had to do a multi you know faceted thing where you were doing something with you know your vocals and then you were also doing something with your hands at the same time and so i chose to try to mimic a guitar thing and that's hard to make it look like you're actually playing much less actually playing and then trying to do something you know with your voice it is not easy it no. is a level of muscle memory that can only be rehearsed yeah as i say it's i remember when i played well i played classical music so 
You guys can already give me shit. You could have said I played classical music and sang opera. There's violins in friggin' X-Toll, so it's yeah, okay. I played a lot of violin and viola especially, and uh, we would, um, me and the other person that was in first chair, because there was two first chairs, it was, we got really good at being able to talk in class while playing. And it's, I actually started making that a habit whenever I started then playing bass, so I could sing and play bass, and it is, it's like, it's like Joe said, it takes a ton a ton of practice so you have to be dedicated so this dude is unbelievable his vocals are insane and then you figure out you know how amazing the music is with it this this album was like eye-opening for me it's it's not my favorite but it is damn near the top this I is mean, a hard one for me because i like later living sacrifice stuff yeah but this record is so it's so energetic because it's got that thrash metal influence. Yeah, they kind of went back to that, and it really hits. And there, there are similarities to Sepultura's Chaos AD on this record, yeah. as well as the next record, which we'll get into. And I mean, just the percussion is so much more. I like because I feel like on the first three Living Sacrifice albums, Lance was a really good uh, drummer. But he kind of was just keeping the beat. You know, right. he'd be like, all right, I'm going to play death metal drums on this song. I'm going to play thrash metal drums on this song. This record, the percussion is its own living entity. Yeah, it's like, hey, look at me. Yeah, and there's a lot of Tom going on, you know, and stuff. Yeah, especially, um, the, well, the next one's got a ton of Tom. A lot of interesting symbols. Yeah. You know, um, he really exper gets to experiment on this record. And I think it's because, you know, like Dan says, energy, but that doesn't necessarily mean speed. Because they also, you know, start introducing breakdowns and, you know, doing like some start-stop rhythm, you know, kind of stuff, and just, you know, totally change up exactly, you know, how they how they sounded from the past three. Yeah, it was definitely metalcore. You know, like that was the, the you know, metalcore for that year, 97, 98. You know, that was. I mean, how much metalcore was even really out not, at that time? Not a whole lot. I mean, you had you had shit like Earth Crisis and like Shy Halud and Converge and stuff at that time, but um, this was whenever it was all really being interesting. You know, this is like you could say metalcore back then, and it may mean like um, literally what it is—a mixture of heavy metal music, or in this case, thrash metal and hardcore music. Yeah, you know. And what was interesting about this is that like. You know, you had this energy of metal, this speed, the technicality of metal, but you had the hardcore passion of hardcore music, you know, and um, Bruce's vocal styles definitely borrowed very heavily from hardcore at the time, although I would say in a lot of cases actually being more extreme. My notes on this album are, this is the band that I recognize when I think Living Sacrifice. Absolutely. This was yeah. their... This was their, in a lot of ways, to a lot of people, this is their actual debut. So this is a trivia question for the listener. Buddy, I'm throwing this at you. Yeah. Is Rocky Gray in the band yet? Not yeah, yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. What album does Rocky Gray show up in? I believe that is The Hammering Process. Okay. Now, when did Soul Embraced release their first record? Oh, shoot. That might be a Dan question. Oh, hang on. 1999. Yeah, because that was, uh, shoot, I'm picturing the cover. For the Incomplete. Yeah. 
Might want to look that well, up, that Joe. Was I'm like not an, sure on 99. That sounds about right to me. The reason I bring it up is this is the year where a lot of the big-name metalcore bands, I will name Zayo as the obvious example, they talk about their influences, and a lot of them name Living Sacrifice as an example. Living Sacrifice is a band that influenced all of the major bands that I think of when I think of metalcore, and it even went as far as members of the metalcore community, because Rocky Gray does come to mind, Jason Truby comes to mind, they either came to Living Sacrifice later or they came back. All right, so Reborn was, I mean, so when kids were hearing this, like Solid State kids, because at this point they had like what? They had like Strong Arm and Overcome and Unashamed and bands like that. This blew their fucking minds. Yeah. Because Dan Wayan hadn't showed up yet. Not quite yet. This was before Blood and Fire. Yeah, that was 98. But this was insane heavy for that scene. It was hardcore. It was metal. It was everything that you wanted it to be. And it was completely modern at the time. And shit, man. I mean, you know, 10 years later, it still sounds modern to me. Yeah. You could still pop it's this in. It's not 10 years, is it? It's 20, 20 years, man. Gosh. God, I'm old. Holy so, cow. <laughs> but, I mean, I think this stands up still to modern metal. Oh, yeah. This, without this a, is without fantastic. Without an issue. Oh, I mean, the, the breakdowns are sick on this album, you know? Dude, that song, Liar, at the end, where he's all like, I've seen the devil, and I've chained him. I cut him to pieces. <laughs> and at the end of it, he's like, Lucifer. Is, is no, no more. more. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, uh, so. So we like liar. So what else do we like on here? Like uh, my, reject. Yeah, I say reject is my favorite. Yeah, uh, reject. Um, I really like truth solution, uh, reborn empowered, something more, and then I also really like presence of God, which is the instrumental. Okay, so you have named over half, half of the record. Of the <laughs> it's a good record, man. So yeah, I like say sellout a lot too. Sellout's good too yeah. with that melodic answer. The yeah, there's nothing. I love the chorus too. There's nothing bad on this. I think that's really what we're. It's coming down to since we keep naming song after song. This record's solid gold. Yeah, it really is. It's aggressive. It should have been fucking solid platinum. I mean, it's 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 criminal how underrated and underlistened. It's a Christian band. That's why. Yeah. A hundred percent. I always thought the I mean, Living Sacrifice could hold their own completely against Sepultura no, and Soulfly no, and bands like that. There is no thinking. They absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, if you you brought in a metalhead and played this shit for them, they go, wow. Yep. That's <laughs> that's really good. Absolutely. And then and then you could after factor say, hey, you know, they're they're a Christian band. And I, I I hate how much uh, stigma there is with Christian bands. If it's good music, it's good music. Period. I don't care what else you have to say. So yeah, it, it, if you if you're gonna shit on this band because they're Christian, fuck you. Sounds That's, like the horn we've been tooting for over 15 years. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of where we've been coming from all this time. Well, guys, I well, just... I've just joined the bad wagon. I just don't know how <laughs> I'm going to top Reborn. Oh, I, mean, I know. I mean, oh, I know. I mean oh, how yeah. could we possibly top an album that's solid gold? Uh, you go to the hammering process. The hammering I mean, process. I could go to the hammering process. Yeah, you could. Or... 
<laughs> you better go to the hammering process. I could go to the hammering process, which I just did. All right. <laughs> 2000. What hey, a good year do you like, for some and a bad year for others, depending on your musical taste. Do you like KSAD by Sepultura? I love KSAD uh, by maybe? Sepultura. <laughs> this record has a lot in common with that record, but not in a bad way. No, all the right reasons. Yeah. Because first of all... Percussion is the big reason on why I love this album, actually. And had a hired separate percussionist on this. Yes, they did. It shows, too, yeah. because there's so much drum work on this album, yeah. and it really gives an extra layer and to Lance just And Lance isn't half-assing it here, either. I no. mean, it's he's he's doing as good of a job, if not better of a job, than he did on Reborn with an additional vocalist on top. Or, I'm sorry, an additional percussionist, percussionist on top. And that just... I mean, this record is dissonant it's heavy and again i always kind of go back and forth on whether or not i think it's heavier than reborn because like songs off songs like liar on reborn are a lot heavier than maybe the stuff that you have on the hammering process but from a percussive beat you over the head kind of way perspective this album is so devastatingly heavy yeah there's something about it's the rhythm that gets your blood pumping in this one, you know, because you feel those drums, you know, if you put this on a good sound system with some subwoofers, like, those hit you in the face hard. Yeah, and it's, for me, it's actually, it's like the tom work that I really, yeah, that I, that really does it, so it's not even, it's not even the, you know, the crazy, you know, you know, stuff that's in the lower register and lower frequencies that I, I like the, I've always been a big Sepultura fan, so the whole tribal aspect of percussion is a huge thing for me. I love that kind of feel. And, you know, they're they're borrowing a little bit of that on this album, and it's just enough to to give that feel to it. And, man, that just gets my gets my blood going, man. So this is the year 2000. Yep. Living Sacrifice Dude. has a hired percussionist. Yes, they do. Who do you think of when you think of the phrase hired percussionist? I think of Slipknot. Yeah, a little bit. So... On a scale of one to Slipknot, where is Living Sacrifice uh, at this time? I would say probably one point behind Slipknot. Okay. So what it's an interesting of, place to be. Yeah, I don't think it's... Um, I mean, granted, I don't Slipknot, think it's quite that apparent. Slipknot had a guy dressed like a clown beating a trash can with a baseball bat. That was right. his job. Yeah. 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 But I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think this is nearly as apparent as what Slipknot was doing. This is not the same kind of feel. Yeah, I, I think this does a this is more of a a, a blended aspect, you know. It, yeah. It's more of a Sepultura, more of a yes. Soulfly kind of sound. Yeah, and that's why I like it. And that's our shit if you've listened to the Sepultura episode, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's Jeff what we like. Ran, Jeff ran 15 miles in 5 seconds to tell you all about it. Oh my god, so, dude, I was so excited on and that I, one. And I kind of feel like all of these songs have this almost refuse resist. It's almost like they listened to that, that song and they were like, how can we incorporate this feeling into every song on this album? And uh, it's met with moderate amounts of success. I mean, obviously, you know, Bruce actually sounds much more, you know, like, Bruce is very, like, more brutal, more growly on this record than he, because like on Reborn, he just screamed. Yeah, that was it. He's got more of a body. He's to got this a growl yeah. Yeah. to his voice on this record. Yeah, and, and I like the fact that they do mix in a little bit of 
clean vocals in yes. with that. Yeah. I like that dichotomy. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've made that apparently well, clear, also, abundantly clear, I mean. I also enjoy over. that, like, on songs like uh, Burn the End, uh, where some of the, the heavy... They, they bring in the heavy guitars, but in a melodic way as well, and they pursue that melody uh, with the vocals or with just the dissonance of Bruce screaming over, you know, parts of that melody, and it just... It's just very easy to listen to. Um, I know. Fun fact: uh, I loved this album so much when it came when it came out, and me and Dan bought it. That my screen name online for a long time was like Altered Life 03 or whatever <laughs> variation of numbers, because nice. Altered Life was probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. So this was heavy. This was percussive. This was everything you liked about Reborn, but kind of refined in a way. Like, kind of more um, locked in. Yeah. You know, they, they were kind of trying to follow an exact sound. And uh, this record was really, really, I think, in a lot of ways, was their biggest record. It feels thought out and less of a collection of songs. Yes. Like, it feels like they sat down and they said, what would follow well after this song? And tried to write something to work with that, and, and yet again another reason why I like it. That yeah. is something that I I specifically look for in albums. So almost like there's a there's a theme. Uh, that's super important to me. That's something that personally, you know, it's 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 one of my tastes that that I like. Well, yeah. As much as I love Reborn, and I do, this is the record that I think of when I think of Living Sacrifice. Most people, I think, will think of the next record. Before we get to the next one. But we're not going to the next one just yet. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have some standout tracks? I think we've, we've mentioned a little bit of it. Flatline. Yeah, I was going to say that. You, you, always take, you always take mine. <laughs> like, blood right work. off the get-go. <laughs> well, you altered know, Jeff, the, the risk is always that you're going to take two. I know. Flat, yeah, let's see. Let's amazing. see. Yeah, Altered Life, Look, Hand yeah. of the Dead. Here, here, dude, just start reading the entire Blind playlist yeah. of the record. Conditional. Yeah, Flatline yeah. is by far my favorite. I could just list the entire album. Like, I can't... There's not a song I skip on here. Conditional is awesome, though. That, that song Yeah, The Closer. Rules. Yeah, and that's the other good good hallmark of a good album by a great band is you don't feel the need to skip. Yeah. I think if anything, there's maybe maybe Not My Own and Local Vengeance Killing are probably my least favorite on the album. But there's oh, still really? Local Vengeance Killing? I don't know. I just that never, song's badass, so I know. you're wrong. I, I, I just <laughs> never latched onto that one. I don't know. But So much percussion coming at you on that song. <laughs> All right, so we can, can we we just stop we, the podcast and listen to this album. Yeah, no like, kidding. I'm just sitting here listening <laughs> to what's coming in my ears, and I just want to keep listening. All right, so any more thoughts on this record, or can we move on to 2002? Uh, we, it was great. 2002, Conceived in Fire. This is the record that everybody thinks of when you say, do you like Living Sacrifice? At least 90% of the people that I ask that question well, to. Well, yeah, because yeah, we're just three weird. seconds in. Unleashed. I mean, you know. This is when Bruce Fitzhugh like turns into a monster. monster. Yeah, like this, he unleashes the beast here. Uh, it's it's incredible, like the amount of just 
pure, you know, brutality that he has coming through his vocals. It really enhances, you know, the uh, heaviness of the music and everything else around it. It's got a whole different layer to it. This is Groovetastic. This is the record everyone thinks of. I already said that. So, you know, Zayo fans especially, this is your gospel. This is Living Sacrifice. Oh, hello, Mr. Gray. Well, he was on the hammering process also. Oh, did I did I yep. forget to mention that? You did. Yes, you did. Well, he's you still, know that he's still here. You that clean singing that was on the hammering process? That was... They let him do, like, one Arthur little... Green and Rocky Gray. Yeah. And on this album, there's, like, one little tidbit of uh, clean singing, and then Bruce Fitzhugh runs him over and is like, no, this is my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's on the song... Um... I guess I'm like... It's on the song. Is it the poisoning? Yeah, it's the poisoning. Yeah, and he's like crawling on hands and knees. You show me beautiful things, living life in a box to it. And then Bruce just comes, let me across your chest, rage nothing to me. And it's like <laughs> you never hear any singing anymore after that on yeah. that record. <laughs> it's like he ate him or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the impression that I got. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> and what I. I love about this record is that it really there's tons of callbacks so this record in a lot of ways can be described very much as a percussive metalcore album very similar to what we'd experienced on the hammering process yeah but there's like something different here yeah the obviously the songwriting is better yeah but like so on the surface it seems like it's just another hand you know the hammering process part two but there's lots of lots of throwbacks to their old thrash roots here, a little bit of their death metal roots, and um, the songs just hit a lot harder for some reason than they did previously. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's whole tracks that they they don't even play like fast. Like the poisoning is not a fast song, but it is heavy as balls. Yeah, it's like, heavy. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of brutal. I actually, I'm, I'm more of a fan of just that slow it down and just they, purposely beat the shit out of you kind of sound instead of just, you know, speed bagging you. Yeah, like, and I there's think, a lot of that. I mean, you know, Joe, I think, hit the nail on the head with Groove, but, I mean, Groove, I don't know, because Groove I also picture as being something a little faster than, than what they're doing here, but... No, it, I, when I think of Groove, I think of, like... Well, obviously, the the most obvious, I guess, is probably Pantera, but, like, Gojira is what I think of first when I think of... Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, I hear a little bit of, like, the, the Gojira, Meshuga kind of sound on this. Yeah. Especially if you um, listen to the song Ignite. That song is extremely... Influ- I don't know if influenced by or influencing, influencing is more like the, it. Yeah, because this was uh, 2002, 2002, so yeah, um, and, and that's you actually didn't prob- necessarily have that. I mean, that Meshuga probably sounded like this still. But that was my. That's actually my favorite song on this album. So ignite is yeah. It's it's actually my favorite as well. Believe it or not. Yes, I it's, got uh, it out first for a change. It's <laughs> got that. It's got that. It's got that machine gun technicality. That's not too fast. But my God, it's like it's percussive. You can't drop a pin between the riffs, and then it actually has a really like emotional melodic. I wouldn't even know if you could call a song like this a chorus, like if it has a chorus or not. But it seems that way. The guitar solo was cutting and biting and like freezing cold over everything else. And this record, ju- I mean this this song just 
kills it and it defines everything about the record just in that one song. This record has the modder on it. Oh, that was my next thing that I was going to say was <laughs> I'm pulling, I'm looking, I've got my phone in my hand and I'm like, the martyr is also a standard You are left with your phone in your hand outstretched. <laughs> yeah, like it's awesome. That song is amazing and I think 3x3 three three, We Carried Your Body is one of my favorites because uh, I mean it talks about uh, suicide um, and how terrible it is. And well, I almost think like death through di- through addiction, right? Yeah, something like He's that. Just, like you died on the floor of a bathroom, yeah. broken and bleeding, with your insides destroyed. And I think yeah. it's about more about drug addiction. Well, I think it hit home know. for us because I know back. Uh, I don't even think it was. It was. It was roughly around that time a friend of ours had committed suicide. Yes, and that I just I, yeah was pissed off about it. Was it several years later, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I just remember listening to this song a lot because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny how time blurs everything because I constantly listen to this album. Still and you know, even when this came out, you know, then it was years later that our friend that happened to our friend. Uh, but it still is a you know a landmark album in my life that I keep listening to it, and it still it, you know has moments for me that are later in life. Final thoughts on Conceived in Fire, or can we move on? Oh God, I don't ever want to move on from this. Man, this is what this is what stinks because like when this album came out, it was like a year or two later that we finally realized this was going to be the last album for Living Sacrifice. This was it. You know, they no, were, yeah, they they were, were done. done. They, Bruce yep. was apparently going to leave the band, and then Corey Putman was supposed to take over, which if you guys don't know, his he goes by Corey Brandon now, but he is the lead singer of the band Norma Jean, was going to be the singer of Living Sacrifice. It should have been a very different sound. I think it would have been interesting. would have been I, interesting. You know, it's definitely, there's definitely like a huge Jean. what if, but like, I don't know about you guys, and I, I know a lot of people actually feel this way about DJ and Living Sacrifice, but like, I'm not interested in hearing Living Sacrifice songs without Bruce singing them. Yes. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Like, most people don't say that about like the second vocalist, but in this case, like, I'm not interested in hearing the band without, without Bruce on it. Yeah, I'd like to hear some tracks uh, from the first three with Bruce doing them. That would be interesting to me. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that that's Nor- what Norma yeah, Jean fans have been dealing with for years. That's disrespectful. Everybody though. keeps talking <laughs> about the first record that sounds nothing like anything they did since. And it's like... We can think of... Corey se- Brandon's been here the longest, guys. Come on. I was going to say, we can think of a second vocalist. Another one that we're, we prefer the second vocalist on. I know Dan and I do. In Flames. <laughs> Technically. 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 <laughs> I don't know, man. If, if somebody say, announced that Michael Stani from Dark Tranquility was going to start singing oh, yeah, on the he came back. Records, I'd be all like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> but, yeah. Anders who? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> at some point, Dark Tranquility and In Flames just flipped in, like, preference. Yeah, I was, was going to say The Contortionist. The Contortionist, <laughs> the second vocalist. I don't know if I agree with you on that. I do. I like their second vocalist, but I really like that first guy. <laughs> yeah, a I mean, lot. It, yeah, it's like one A and one one B. Who was it that we were talking on a previous episode where we were talking about it? We were calling it. We kept calling him the second vocalist, and we were like, you know, he's actually done more. Fuck, I can't think of it. Sepultura, Derek Green. Oh no, no, because we were talking about where we like the second vocalist oh, okay. better, but we kept saying he's the second vocalist, and then. We realized, hey, he'd actually been there longer than the original vocalist. Was it Norman Jean, was it? No. No. No, who knows? Oh, man, I can't think of it. Oh, well. What's interesting is that we accepted this breakup, and then 
they go on to put out a in memoriam album, just the greatest hits of right. all of their career. But with three new songs. Yeah, but with three new songs. It's like, oh, okay, well, you're going to break up, but you can't stay out of the studio. Right. You know, and they were good. They, yeah, they were, were good. good. Tracks. They, they were definitely. Um, I'd say the three songs that were on the in memoriam album were definitely more of like a hammering process style sound. Yeah, like almost yeah, like B sides from that. And that's not a bad thing. Not at all. I mean, these were great songs. They were really melodic, too. I remember thinking, like, they were... I'm not sure what they were going for, because it's like they were broke up as a band, so it's not like they were trying to get a commercial success. Yeah, and that that came out three years after they broke up, at least yeah. according to my, you know, yeah. my music app here. But And then we started hearing rumblings another three years later. Well, it all started, it all started when Bruce Fitzhugh did a guest vocal on the Demon Hunter album Storm the Gates of Hell. Oh, yeah. On the song 16. You're like listening to this Demon Hunter album, and then all of a sudden Bruce Fitzhugh's on there screaming. And just takes over the track. And he has this undeniable sound to his voice, this quality to his voice. And uh, I remember getting really excited about that, and then like they started launching all these weird teaser websites. And it was all Demon Hunter that was trying, that was doing it. Like they were like, hey, go to this website and check this thing out. And like it gave you all these hints about the band members' names. And then before you knew it, you had like, you could come up with like, you'd do these puzzles on this website. And you'd come up with like Bruce and Rocky and Lance and Arthur and all this stuff. And that was our hint that Living Sacrifice was going to be a thing again. And um, so shortly after that, I don't remember the exact year, but they put out an they put out an EP called Death Machine. And that was either in 09 or 010. 08. Or 010. Oh, yeah, it was 2010. <laughs> it's it was, still it was right. Uh, 2008, at least according to what I got here. Death but Machine, yeah. So they had they had a... Uh, it was two songs, Death Machine songs, and The Battle. And they were fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was, it, you know, it. it's all we had for, a, I think, another uh, year, two years. We yeah, had those so it was two like, songs for another it two was years. Like, it was like drip feed, living sacrifice stuff. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, we go from 2002, when they last put out a full record, to then, you know, three songs over another, like, you know, nine, eight years. And then finally in 2010, they come out with the full on uh, the, LP, The Infinite Order. Yes. So, what did you think of this one, Jeff? I think the anticipation did us in. I think I have to agree because I heard, you know, the the death machine and the battle were so amazing and sounded exactly what I like what I wanted what to, hear. to hear. Right. And then something happened in those two years and it just didn't it, the infinite order just didn't sound like those songs. Yeah, it's it's not that it's bad, it's just I think that it, it, I think it's a, a casualty of the hype machine for people yeah. who were looking forward for them getting back together. We had built it up so much, and when we got this, I just don't think it lives up to expectations. I'm not saying it's bad because it's not. Yeah, it's very good. It is very good, but we were expecting, you know, the hammering process, mind blowing kind of thing all over again, and I don't think we got it. I think this is just more straight metal. Well, yeah, yeah. it's not exactly metal core exactly, but it's um, 
I mean, it is that a little bit. It's the older style that they established on Conceived in Fire and uh, the hammering process. And so I think, I think in a lot of ways it still very much sounds like that band. Yeah, but I think uh, maybe... Maybe now that I'm listening to some of this in my ears, like back to back from all these albums, it, Joe, am I wrong in that? Is there not a second percussionist here, like doing some of that tom work and stuff? I don't know if they had a second percussionist, but there is an additional drum part. Yes. Okay, because they it, didn't. It feels, it feels lessened here than it did on hammering process and conceived in fire. It's less of a focal point, in other words. Yeah, like, knowing that. The new Soul Embrace to come out in 2008, which was, I think, Dead Alive. I kind of feel like this record got the second half of Rocky Gray's good guitar ideas. That's just how I well, feel I think, when I listen to it. I think it. this record was just trying to be more straight ahead metal. Yeah. It's not as melodic. It's not as commercial sounding. They don't have as much to prove. There's even a couple of because, cat stranglers on here. Yeah, there's some cat stranglers mm. on here, and... Uh, you know, I think it's. I, I like it's, that terminology. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those things where it's going to be a shirt in 2018. You know, <laughs> it's one of those things where I think this record was really good, and I, I've got. I share a similar opinion to the next record, Ghost Thief, too, in that I think that they're everything that you want them to be. I think if you're a Living Sacrifice fan and you listen to the Infinite Order, you're not going to have a problem with it. Yeah, no, it's not you're that. Gonna enjoy because I remember hearing Overkill Exposure. And thinking like, holy shit, they're back! Every, the world, the world is a more complete place now that Living Sacrifice is back, and they're doing their thing. And um, they sound unique in that, like in a lot of ways, they almost sound like a relic from another time, because they're not the most brutal band out there, but they once were. Yeah, you know, and uh, but they still kind of maintain that same sort of sound. But like, I don't really have an issue with it because I feel like the the guitar playing is on point, the vocals are on point, everything's on point. But I just don't necessarily feel like the songs are as compelling as they used to be. Is this like the definition of playing it safe for the fans? You know, in that all right, if we go out there and we do something totally different, we're going to lose everybody. But if we go put out something that they recognize. You know, we're going to keep everybody despite not getting any new people. I guess I'm that weirdo, though. I would have, I'd rather have had them just go completely off the deep end and give us something we weren't expecting. Well, what about songs like Love Forgives? I mean, that's a very melodic living sacrifice song. Yeah, I'm song, not saying that know? it, I just, I don't know what it was. It, it's just not. Does it not, maybe it doesn't feel like a progression from the other albums. Yeah, maybe and that's what it is. Songs. It, it just, it. I was expecting, you know, after, you know, the, uh, the, the being absent for so long and coming back, I just wanted to have that same feeling that I did, the, the, you know, the first, you know, well, not first, but, you know, the albums four, five, and six, you know, with Bruce's voice just, like, being a revelation and, you know, especially on the Heron process, uh, you know, with the you know, the second percussionist, I, I just wanted it to bowl me over like that did. It didn't have to sound the same, but I wanted it to evoke the same emotion of oh my god, this is something that I gotta I gotta listen to. And I just didn't quite get that from the Infinite Order. It just didn't bowl me over like the first go around. That's all. I, I don't want to pick on the vocals, but I think one of the differences I felt that I noticed was that it didn't his vocals didn't seem as harsh as they did like on Conceived in Fire. There was like a like a saw blade almost on his Conceived in Fire vocals and these feel almost a little more processed, they're a little smoother. 
you know, if, if you well, which might be completely out of their control. Because yeah, I've seen it could songs. just be time. Has I've seen these them. songs live, and I guarantee you, I literally am crushed into the fucking ground. Yeah. This is when 2010. I hear them. You know if what I mean? Remember. Like, yeah. This is 2010, if you remember, which we've talked about the mid to late 2000s being when digital recording was in its heyday, in its later part of its infancy. There was a time, because, you know, we've had digital recording since the 80s, but it never sounded well in its infancy. And the home recording revolution, which I think started in the early 2000s, the sound quality was starting to be there, but it wasn't fully there. The main standout examples for me would be The Funeral of God by Zayo. You can hear how isolated the guitar sound is it's not fake it's not digital it's just not mixed the same way because the engineers and the mixers were still learning how to mix fully independent digital rigs and this was the year where we really started getting good at it all right everybody I'll take that. everybody ready for ghost thief yes kind of <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that I'm in the minority. This is actually one of my favorite albums. Really? I don't yep. know if I can call them a favorite, but I like it a lot. I yeah, liked it. I, mean, I like it more Infinite than the Order. Infinite Order. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I'm not. I'm not alone in that. I figured that there's going to be more people that were into the Infinite Order. This felt like Man. more. This felt more like what I was expecting to hear on the Infinite Order. Yeah. It's almost like the Infinite Order was the misstep, and then this came out. Well, how'd you like having Ryan Clark from Demon Hunter on the first song? Like, that dude makes everything better, right? Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, it's kind of funny. I was uh, I was talking to a guy at work who's a big Demon Hunter fan, and I'm like, well, then you should check these guys out. <laughs> and he's like, dude, they're fucking brutal. And I'm like, yeah, and they're a Christian band. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. What? Because he, he's so like, is Demon Hunter. Yeah, I know. He did. He, uh, what? He, what? I know. He totally messed him up. Because he's like, he's like total hardcore liberal atheist guy. And I'm like, yeah, these are a couple Christian bands. They're badass, aren't they? And he's like, they're Christian? I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, Demon oh, Hunter, they like. Suck. <laughs> yeah, he's changed his tune. He's gone now, and thrown all of his records out. Well, that was a funny thing because he was like, but they're Gonna on. Go listen to God Dethroned. Does this co worker also believe in a flat world? No, but he was like, but they're on the because he he found out about Demon Hunter through um, oh the Killing Floor Two soundtrack. Dude, Living Sacrifices on that too. It's all Christian bands. On I, that. I know, I know, oh, that's I, amazing. Well, that, yep. well, that's what I was telling him, and I'm like, dude, you. I need to go check. I, out I looked it up, and are. I was like, dude, those, those are <laughs> it's all Christian music, man. He's like, but it's awesome, and I'm like, yeah, I the know, guy, exactly. like totally slipped that in there. Like, I know, that's so great. And if you pay $10 to Discography Discussion on Patreon, you can play The Killing Floor 2 with myself, Dan, Jeff, and Buddy. Yeah. And we will win. At least I'm, with I'm me, making yes. this up now. <laughs> Holy crap. Impending Doom, Living Sacrifice, Demon Hunter. I've not heard of Synthetic. Rocky Gray? What is he? He's yeah. got his own solo, solo project? Stuff. Rocky yeah. Gray is everywhere. Bruce yep. Fitzhugh and Jeremiah <laughs> Scott? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Fit for a king. Uh, oh, holy crap. What, this synthetic band is on there a lot. It's basically a solid state record sampler, man. Yeah. Except for Impending Doom. Buddy's going to go and buy um, The Killing Floor I'm adding. I'm adding this to my library now. <laughs> Buddy's so like, this looks like something that I would listen to. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to listen to this. Yeah, it's actually really good. So let's get back to Ghost Thief. So Ghost Thief was... Um, 
kind of more of a return to form for the band, you know. It um, really was. It's more technical. I think it pushes the line a little bit more. I have to admit, though, that the songs don't stick with me, though. Yeah, that's something that has bothered me with the past two records is that I just don't... I don't remember much of it, but I remember liking it, but yeah, it's like I don't any, remember much of them. It's like any techie kind of album in the sense that like, when I'm listening to it, I have a smile on my face the whole time. And then whenever I'm done listening to it, not a lot of it sticks with me. Uh, I don't know. Screw tape sticks with me, man. That's, that's screw tape song amazing. That's because there's tape in it. <laughs> so it sticks to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so cheesy. And that's the one with Ryan Clark on it, so... Yeah, yeah so you know. that might have been the other reason, too. But yeah, yeah I, it... I always pay attention to stuff that has, you know, guest vocalists and stuff like that, because uh, I'm always kind of curious just to see what, a, you know, the hypothetical of, uh, you know, uh, having another singer, you know, for the rest of the albums. And it makes you kind of think about, OK, you know, what would it be like if Ryan, you know, did more vocals on or what would it be like if his vocals were on this song and stuff like that? I, I always like kind of the what ifs. Well, I mean, if you want to hear uh, guest vocal Lollapalooza, then listen to Summer of Darkness by Demon Hunter. Like, every other yeah, song as has as a guest vocal. Right, they got everybody on there. Yeah. 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 I know, but I, I, I've just, I've just, I guess that's part of the reason why I guess Screw Tape, I, mean, I guess I'm, I'm saying it's sticking with me, is because I liked that, the the thought process of going through and the what ifs. Sure. I always have fun yeah. with that. I, I guess that's kind of the reason why, like, I, I know they're a rock band, but I've always liked all the different variations of uh, Stone Temple Pilots just because they, they've had so many different vocalists and they've had so many offshoots of other stuff that they've done, like talk show and stuff like that. So I always I always love that that aspect of, of, of guest vocalists. That's it always is just something fun for me. But this is a this is a great album. Like we've we've all said, this is like a coming back to coming back to Jesus moment, I guess. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Were they away from Jesus at some point? I don't I wasn't really paying attention, but uh, yeah, no, this record's really good. I think it was a solid release, but I mean, that was like what, Joe, 2013? 2015. 2015. Oh, shit. It hasn't really? been that long ago. Was no, it really? No. 2013. Oh, I'm blind. Can't read. Yeah, it's got to be 2013. Because yep. it seems like they came out a while back, and yeah. I'm like, I mean, I need more. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's almost five years ago. Yeah. And they're... They're still active. active. They still, still play. Tour. You know, it's funny is I was watching some videos a while back where they played some songs off the first album, and they actually had DJ come out on stage and sing them. No kidding. And he sounded really fucking good. Which is how you get. In and he's also like an, like I, this is going to be uncomfortable, but he's like an fan. extremely handsome man. Like I mean, <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Here's the before that, I was like oh, DJ, whatever. And I watched that, I was like DJ. <laughs> no, no. Here's yeah. the here's the important question. Is he? I think so. <laughs> we're, not in, we're not including this in the podcast. It doesn't matter. But anything creepy you say against Jeff. anything creepy you say about <laughs> gets edited out. Just so you know. Oh, it does. Bummer. There's All no right. reason to even be saying it. So, final thoughts on Living Sacrifice, buddy. I'm starting with you. So this band is definitely a landmark band. Um, you know, if you like metal of any kind, definitely check them out. Uh, I, I would say, you know, so if I'm as into much like as polka we, metal, yeah, I'm even into. if you like polka metal, because maybe it'll get you off of that and onto <laughs> this. Okay, you know, so it'd be better. I guess I'll maybe. let my polka metal friend, friends know. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say even listen to uh, non-existent as much as you know we ripped on it. There's still something 
to pull out of it. I mean, even just to experience it, you know, are you playing it right now? Oh, no, I'm just playing my pick of the week. For <laughs> <Soul> of <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, one of the they've both of the a bunch of the members of the bands have started other bands uh, from, you know, just on side projects. And they're all really awesome to listen to as well. Uh, they're this this band is just definitely um, a landmark artist that needs to be heard and needs to be part of your cat your catalog. Jeff, yeah. what about you? Yeah, this is a criminally underrated band that I think, like we've said before, gets stuck with the quote-unquote Christian stigma. I don't care who you are. You need to listen to these guys. They are fan-freaking-tastic. The most important thing is that it's good music. The fact that it also happens to have a good message that goes with it instead of a bunch of drivel, which we do get, unfortunately, an awful lot in metal music, is just, it's icing on the top. So everybody should be listening to these guys. They're technically proficient. Bruce, brutal vocals. I mean, it's everything that we ask for in metal music. And uh, they've been doing it a lot longer than a lot of other bands out there have. So I would highly recommend them. Everybody should check them out. Dan? Well, we've talked a lot about the vocals and vocalists and things like that. But uh, I think one thing that, that has been criminally undermentioned in this in this discussion has been the drumming. Oh, yes. Um, the drumming is, is just out of this world fantastic. Um, and the guitar playing, especially like we we kind of breeze through the first three albums, but Jason Truby's like melodic guitar playing and interludes and stuff, and his solos and stuff are so good, like so good. And for me, like I can listen to something like and non-existent and still enjoy it because of how good his performance is on it. And uh, and that's that that's one of my favorite things about non-existent inhabit is death metal records is that they are very melodic and they they actually can invoke an emotional feeling in me. Um, and as far as their later stuff goes, I mean that stuff is effortless. I mean they they kill it, yeah, especially on reborn and, and hammering process. And this band has never put out a record that I've been besides non-existent that I've been like this is glaringly bad. They they haven't really misstepped, and really most of the band didn't misstep on non-existent. It's just one guy, right? <laughs> and we don't even know if it's just that one guy, if or it was the direction that he was given. Well, listen to the interview with uh, Bruce Fitzhugh from Living Sacrifice on as the story the grows, grows. <laughs> and uh, he gives a little bit of illumination on that. Man, we're giving uh, Travis a couple plugs. <laughs> yeah, we love Travis. He yeah. always needs plugs. He just ran a five k. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was Ooh. just reading that on Facebook that he ran a 5K. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I've been working so. really hard on taking a Facebook unplug because I got a new phone and I haven't put it on my new phone yet. Well, you need to because you get, yeah, I'm doing all the social media stuff myself, man. I know. I need <laughs> to get back on. I bet it, there's just been so much. Tired of being the face of the podcast. I'm sorry. But it's so beautiful. Ugly. 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 <laughs> all right. So I was going to say a few times. I think everything great about metalcore finds its way back to living sacrifice. I'm sure you could name a band that was local to a specific region that everybody loves that for most people would be obscure. 
but for the majority of the people that listen to metalcore, uh, your favorite band is influenced by Living Sacrifice. For that reason, you should be listening to Living Sacrifice. And you should be enjoying Living Sacrifice. And yes, you still need to listen to Non-Existent because you, you got to know where it came from. Because there was a point in time where it was basically Napalm Death. Only on a scale of one to Napalm Death, it was <laughs> like a 3.785. 4, 3, 2, 1. So you know who else likes Living Sacrifice? Who likes Living Sacrifice? Jason Wisdom. Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy? He's of Death Therapy. He used to be in Becoming the Archetype. Where have I heard about death therapy before, buddy? Where have I heard about right. death therapy? Oh, it might have been oh, yeah. right well, here. We, uh, we got to talk to him. Ago. We got to talk to him last week for a little while, little while about living sacrifice. So we're going to play that for you guys, and then uh, we will come back on and do our ending. Jason is going to tell us all about death therapy. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, well, the question is, what what is there to say about death therapy? What what is it? What would be interesting to know? It's a band. Um, there are two people in the band. Not three, not one. Um, the, it's, there's no guitars in Death Therapy. Is a bass and drum band, like industrial kind of groovy band. And uh, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else should I say about it? You can say it's amazing. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to say it's amazing. Well, <laughs> yeah, we are. I think it'd be a little better if you said it than me. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're big fans. We actually uh, we did a. Um, we did like a double header uh, a, a little while ago this year, where we, you know, because typically we talk about a band's discography from beginning to end. Well, that wouldn't take very long with what, us. Yeah, what do we do? I was like, what do we do with a band that only has one album? We talk about two bands that have yeah, one so album. Yeah, so we do like a double header creature feature kind of thing. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so we did that with, uh, did, what did we do? Joe, it was Adam Ship and Death, Death Therapy. Therapy. Yep. Yeah, awesome. I don't know. I don't know how you decided to pick me for that, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you talked about Death there. No, we're, we're we're big fans. I was a big BTA fan. Uh, you probably don't remember, but uh, I guess it was like right before Terminate Damnation came out. I was doing this. Uh, I guess it was like a Christian metal magazine, and I did like an email interview with you um, about uh, the upcoming release of Terminate Damnation. Oh, I remember all the email interviews that I did from 2004. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm They're sure. all very vivid. <laughs> Enlightening. <laughs> yeah. Photograph so, memory. Um, so, what, was it, what, was it, what was the email address? Oh, uh, it was... 2004 email addresses are usually pretty funny. Don't worry yeah, about oh the beep, Oh, my gosh. Dan. I think it was... Uh, it was Titanius, I no, think. No, 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 no. It was uh, Cries from My Past, because I was, like, really yeah, in the under oath before they were, like, what they are now, and... Um, See, how did I know that it was going to be some ridiculous, like, early 2000s email address? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. undoubtedly. I mean, it was 2004. I mean, be it's honest. It's so funny, too, because, like, we didn't talk about stuff like that at all. It was always, like, extreme metal, and uh, for some reason, nobody ever called me out on that email address. Well, consider yourself called out. Oh. 13 years later. Man. <laughs> So, doesn't say what do we think of the uh, eponymous debut? Of yes, Living Sacrifice. Yes, yeah, so Living Sacrifice um, is a Christian, or yeah, they're a Christian metal band, <laughs> and uh, they are uh, kind of, in in my opinion, at least in the opinion of a few people, they are the band. They are the holy grail uh, of that, Christian metal bands to a lot of people. Yeah, um, and I always saw them, I guess, as a. Uh, like the band that does Christian metal, but you can like take it seriously. <laughs> and yeah. um, 
they, they had a very aggressive, extreme approach, uh, especially early on, um, starting off sounding kind of in a kind of in like a Slayer-ish uh, thrash metal uh, style. And I think I think what it was for me was just the extremity of the music and the aggressiveness of the vocals, uh, even even on the early records, which we'll get into. Um, Jeff and I have a little bit oh, of a disagreement yeah, on that. And, uh, <laughs> and yes. you know, I think I think they just they had cool lyrics. They had a cool image. And, um, you know, they just uh, they were they were the band. Yeah, I can um, I can remember like the very first time I ever was part of a band practice. Uh, we were listening to uh, Reborn from Living Sacrifice, and I can remember at the time thinking, "Wow, this is this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard." And uh, and then we tried to learn to play it, so it goes it goes way back for me. So is Reborn your favorite Living Sacrifice record, or which one would that be? Uh, I would say it's it's probably my favorite just because of the nostalgia that comes along with. I mean, that came out in I guess ninety eight was it ninety seven, and that's about when we started trying to make music. So um, they were they were kind of the band that pushed me over the edge into I guess what what we're calling extreme metal. So before that, I hadn't really listened to much that had a lot of growling or screaming kind of things and um i can even remember hearing i think i heard a song from extol uh, around the same time and extol now is, is one of my favorite bands of all time but i can remember at the time thinking that they were too extreme you know <laughs> and right. it's it's just funny to think of that now and look back and go yeah because because that was more of a black metal kind of uh vocal style um and i i could handle living sacrifice but i couldn't handle extol back then so um so yeah i mean i go very far back with living sacrifice yeah for me i, I kind of had the same thing actually one of the first extreme metal bands that i heard was uh extol and uh they were uh i think it was their um i think it was their album burial I, mean, I don't think i got that the day it came out but I, yeah. I i had found it found it years later um in a bargain bin uh, it was definitely one of the best bargains I had <laughs> come across, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, what I what I think I think about Living Sacrifice. What was more appealing to like a new fan of extreme metal was kind of the more, I guess you could call it hardcore approach um, to the vocals. Um, made it a little bit more accessible. It wasn't. Um, it's not a huge stretch to jump from something like you know like Pantera or something or Sepultura. Uh, right. Into into something like Living Sacrifice, especially right around the reborn and the hammering process, because mm-hmm. that was when the that was when the kind of Sepultura sneak happened. At least listening to the albums sequentially, that's when I started to notice. Hey, there's there's aspects here that you don't hear in a lot of heavy bands or heavy thrash bands that could basically be described as well. There's the Sepultura influence, right? That might be the reason why I like the hammering process so much. <laughs> I'm a big yeah, Sepultura fan. I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the one good thing, is, there's always the uh, people always want to put like the strike against uh, you know a band that's quote unquote Christian. And at, at the end of the day, Living Sacrifice, I think what makes them stand the the test of time is, you know, they're they're a great band with a good message and. Uh, they can hold their own against their uh, their secular contemporaries, which I, I think that's 
part of what makes it where if you're a, a metal guy and you you throw this on for one of your buddies who's who's never heard them before, they can completely appreciate who they are. I mean, they're, they're, they they do such a I think they do such a, a great job. They're great musicians. So it's it's so easy to, to listen to. Minus, I, I have to admit, the vocals on the first three albums are uh, are a little rough for me, especially uh, non-existent. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Man, touchy subject. Yeah, it is. I was I was giving Dan some grief earlier this week because I was just like, oh man. I tried so many times to get through non-existent, and I'm like, my interest in this is non-existent. <laughs> it's not because of the music. I, it just the the vocal styling just wasn't my cup of tea on that particular record. The first one is fine because you know it's just a, it's pretty straight ahead. He's just pretty much yelling the whole time, which is cool with me. But the, the second album, there's a, there was an interview that Jim Carrey did with Arsenio Hall back in the day where he's making fun, or he's not really making fun of, but. He's like putting on this metal voice, and I'm like, it's like, it did, that's what I felt like he was watching whenever he decided this was the vocal style and he wa- that he wanted. I wouldn't go that yeah. far, Jeff. <laughs> oh, that's what it felt like to me. I mean, I know I'm taking it a little far. I get it, but non-existent is a little painful to get through, especially if what you started with was Living Sacrifice, which I didn't. I heard the self-titled years later, but from non-existent to inhabit. Yeah, you can have the vocals back on non-existent. Jason, did you uh, go back and find the first three Living Sacrifice albums, or did they did they register on your radar or anything um, at all? Yeah, because I had a I had some friends that were really into them, and to me, um, to me, I just I guess I I just the vocals didn't bother me that much. Um, I just. I didn't like the fact that I felt like those those first three records were very. Um, I don't know. I felt like they were sort of obviously the Christian alternative to something, and I felt like Reborn was sort of their their own unique take on um, early metalcore, um, whatever you want to call it. It was it was it was a new thing. I feel like they kind of came into their own so for me i just i like some of the old music but it wasn't it just wasn't interesting to me sure yeah um i had the same reaction at first and uh, i guess over time i started appreciating it a little bit more um i mean obviously i don't really love non-existent that much but i do love the music on the record but uh but no, i agree with you like you know the first uh first album is you know the christian slayer the second one is like the christian obituary and you know <laughs> the right. third the third one i uh, have a little bit more time and uh, maybe like the christian morbid angel or you know something something of those something along those lines and um but yeah it was uh w- once once we got to the hammering process i feel like uh they really kind of came into their own and uh we're, we're really able to stand their ground with an original sound and I mean, and Bruce just sounds so good, you know. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's insane on that album. Yeah, Bruce is—he's uh, got that—he's got that aggression. Um, he's got that drive, and uh, you know, he's just kind of—you know—for again, I, and I hate to keep bringing that up, but like, like the whole with it being like Christian music or whatever, they were kind of the first band where it was like they weren't trying to soften it up at all, or they—they they weren't trying to make it more packageable to mom. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think I think that same that same year. I mean, you can look, and there was 
there was a lot going on and, and ironically pretty much all on, on the tooth and nail solid state um, there was 1997 you had Extol's burial record you had Zayo's blood and fire record you had um, trying to think if that was when yeah, em- Embodiment did their um, Embrace the Eternal Embrace yeah. the Eternal which is one of the best records I've ever heard I think still to this day best riffs um, it's like 100 riffs per song on that record and um, as I think you also at that same time I think you had a I'm trying to think if that was the blind side a thought crushed my mind was that year so I guess what I mean I guess what I'm getting at is I think that was a very pivotal year for if you want to say Christian music to come into its own Christian heavy music um, I think there was a lot going on there so POD was doing stuff I mean yeah Project 86 was kind of coming around I would say that's where a lot of it started yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty monumental year, two years there, um, and that was, I guess that was around the time that I guess I was in high school, and um, you know I, I really identified with a lot of those bands. Uh, a lot of the bands that you mentioned were have have already been covered on the show. You know, it's uh, it, there's just stuff that's undeniable, and even though even though our show isn't like a Christian metal show, um, we still yeah that's what I grew up listening to. You know, so. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, Zayo is still around and still is, I mean, is considered one of the most influential bands of the genre um, Absolutely. to this day. So I just got their, uh, I just got their new EP in the mail. <laughs> awesome. And he hasn't stopped listening to it yet. I haven't. It was actually hard. It was actually hard to, to switch over to Living Sacrifice because, uh, you know, it's just Living Sacrifice hasn't put on a new record in a while. So, <laughs> and to have new Zayo, it was, uh, it was quite the treat so yeah but uh but yeah living sacrifice was was such a big deal uh i guess around that time too because um i i always feel like and and this could be a, a, just a perception from a fan but um i always felt like they kind of spearheaded the movement too i feel like a lot of i feel like a lot of really good bands um were influenced by and kind of uh kind of spawned off of living sacrifice um you know i kind of consider um you know bands like bands like even bands like demon hunter you know which granted they're yeah. not you know necessarily the same style but uh you know kind of kind of like when living sacrifice went on that hi- hiatus and we thought that they were gone uh forever i kind of feel like there were a few bands that had stepped up and kind of tried to pick up that torch you know <laughs> um, yeah i agree i agree with that it seemed like there were it seemed like there was a big void you know uh when they were gone between i think it was was it like 2004 to 2000 and seven or 2008 they were uh they were gone it's kind of like how with metal most people will cite metallica as their origin living sacrifice in extreme metal is the band that everybody cites as their origin unless you're dan then it's zeo which inevitably led to living sacrifice oh okay i I can honestly see where this came from then yeah (laughs) yeah for sure i think i think with living sacrifice also i think there was a kind of a um kind of kind of a little bit of a shift uh between albums and i'm i'm gonna kind of just talk about post reborn um because that seems that seems to be where we all live well do we get Uh, to talk about conceived in fire then yeah we do yes it's Uh, definitely the best produced of their records i think oh my goodness that is absolutely true it sounds so big you know um when the when that when that album starts off and it's just uh you know, with like eminent war and you know bruce just he's, bruce just comes in like unleashed you know it's just uh 
it, it definitely prepares you for uh, what you're in for. Yeah. And um, but yeah, with Reborn, um, I think that uh, you know they definitely they definitely kicked off the whole um, Christian metalcore thing. Maybe not kicked it off completely, but kind of you know once Living Sacrifice became popular, I think it really opened the door for a lot of other bands. Um, to come in and, and, and play that style and, and be um, as successful as you could be, uh, in, you know, pre-2000. Yeah, I agree. So whenever we got to uh, the hammering process, um, I think I, I definitely noticed a little bit more of a, uh, almost kind of a stretch more, you know, towards a more commercial, um, a more commercial vein. You know, we had, uh, it was just as heavy as, real. like, it's kind of hard because, like, I, I go back and I listen to it and I'm, I'm always trying to decide if, if it's as heavy as Reborn, and I think I think what it really comes down to is I think it, on levels of heaviness, I think they're really about on the same level, but I think that Reborn maybe is a little bit more um, visceral, aggressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think I think I think Hammering Process is is very heavy. Maybe maybe the, maybe the heaviest record they ever did, but it's not the most aggressive or metal record. I mean, there's riffs on, there's riffs on, uh, on hammering process. Sorry. That's what I, maybe I said the wrong one. Uh, hammering process is their probably their heaviest record, I think. Um, but I also think that has a lot to do with it's, it's their grooviest record. So, um, a lot of times to me, heavy, like pure heavy is, is rooted in the groove. Um, so I think, it's not as fast. It's not as technical. It's not as brutal as other records, but it's uh, it's really, really heavy. I think it's uh, it's definitely my favorite uh, of all the work that they've done, and I think that that's possibly because I'm a big groove metal guy. It's a fantastic album. Whenever, because I I'm probably out of uh, everybody that's talking exposed the the latest in, in to Living Sacrifice, and that's mainly because I I'm big into uh, besides the groove metal, like melodic death metal and stuff like that, out of out of Europe. So I, most of my music's always been over there. But whenever we got, I was listening through the discography when we got to hammering process. I just kept on listening to it over and over and over again, and, mm-hmm. and driving everybody at work nuts because uh, I, I kind of work in an open area, so everybody gets to hear uh, every time. You know everything I'm listening to, and some people are a big fan of the fact that you know I'm on a metal podcast, and some of them aren't. But the ones that appreciated the metal were were wanting to know, uh, you know, who who was it that I was listening to because they were they were into it. Yeah, no, and I and I, so I I would actually say I think I think if you take if you take Reborn and combine it with hammering process you get conceived in fire pretty naturally and i think that's for a lot of people that's why conceived in fire is their favorite record um it's not necessarily my favorite but i think it is the culmination of their sound i guess is what i mean i think they hit it uh really well uh hammering process i guess feels experimental to me in in a really 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 good way but it doesn't seem like they were settled yet to me and what they were going to sound like and then with conceived in fire and the records after that i feel like they kind of just they were like okay this is what living sacrifice sounds like yeah i noticed on conceived in fire that there was uh it was kind of more of a accumulation of 
kind of everything they've done up to that point, you know, because um, I hear, obviously I hear the mixture of uh, Reborn and the hammering process in there. But at the same time, I also hear, you know, I hear a little bit of the thrash influence, a little bit of the death metal influence. It's it's all kind of there, um, blended up, I guess, for us. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that record definitely, um, that was actually the first Living Sacrifice album that I purchased. I think before that, it was uh, just listening to MP3s and stuff, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, just like whatever, I guess whatever you could download off uh, offline, like uh, on mp3.com or whatever the band had posted on their website, you know, so you got, you got bits and pieces of albums, you know, <laughs> MySpace. Yeah. MySpace. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember trying to load MySpace on a 56 K modem. Oh my gosh. Cause my parents just hadn't updated. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was bad. I was like, I tried streaming a song and it like knocked me off the internet completely. And, like our <laughs> phone didn't work for like two days. I, <laughs> it was a little much, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, Conceived of Fire was definitely awesome uh, in the sense that like it, if you hadn't heard Living Sacrifice before, you were literally hearing everything Living Sacrifice had to offer on that record. Right. And not very many bands can say that, you know. Um, no, I agree with that. It, it, it was uh, the production hit hit perfectly and the Bruce's vocals sounded the best they've ever sounded. Um, again the production they you know they really only had the percussion um extra percussion for for just a very short time around consumed or uh hammering process so they kept a little bit of that um in there so it was it was a nice little um combination i think so by the time they got to some of the the newer records, they're not really doing much of the percussion thing anymore because they've been playing without a, per, you know, percussionist on stage for so long. Um, whereas at the time, they kind of still had a little bit of that going on, you know. I've noticed that the newer albums have almost a little bit more of a thrash influence to them. It's a more straight ahead, kind of like what they were doing on Reborn. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting to hear. I mean, I'm I'm very thankful that there are still Living Sacrifice albums coming out because there was like that four year period or so where it was kind of up in the air. They released like a greatest, I guess not a greatest hits. I don't know if Living Sacrifice has hits, but reject. <laughs> yeah, reject. Yeah, yeah, that's right, reject. <laughs> that was like their biggest song. Yeah, oh yeah. They still got to close out every show every show with that one. Absolutely. I, I was very fortunate to get to do that song with them live when we toured with them uh, a few times which is pretty cool that's awesome yeah that is very cool super jealous yeah. if you <laughs> if you if you uh youtube it you'll find it okay so. yeah we'll definitely have to check that out actually joe if you can find it we'll throw a link to it up on the show notes can do we're done yep. yeah because that is definitely worth seeing but yeah i think i think uh you know with their newer albums too like uh I was really, uh, I was really, uh, for I was really excited whenever the Infinite Order came out because, again, I you know after Conceived of Fire, I just figured there weren't going to be any more Living Sacrifice records, you know, and right. uh, so I just kind of took my ball and went home, so to speak. And uh, whenever they came back, um, I think they released like a little two-song uh, EP called uh, Death Machine, right? And that it, it had a death, the song Death Machine and uh, the battle on it. And I remember thinking that those sounded like 
to me, they sounded kind of like they might have been off the hammering process. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was those three songs that they put on their In Memoriam album uh, where they'd recorded three new songs. I thought I thought all of that sounded very uh, hammering process era living sacrifice, which is uh, not a bad thing. Oh, not at all. <laughs> but no, it's it's yeah, it's got a little bit of that. Uh, it's very clearly written. A lot of it written by Rocky. Right. You know, a little bit of soul embraced kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to do soul embraced at some point. <laughs> yeah, we're actually we're actually playing a show with soul embraced here in a couple weeks. Oh, that's awesome. In uh, in Little Rock. Little Rock, no, Arkansas. Tulsa. 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 Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Yeah, I wish we were. Yeah. I wish we were near some of these shows. Get to listen to some my tourniquet. Nobody ever hears it. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to come to St. Louis because their uh, gear will get stolen. And it's a it's a black hole of a music scene. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Unless you're like uh, '90s new metal, that's about the only metal that really uh, still does well in St. Louis. Unfortunately, I don't know. I I think I think St. I think St. Louis would like death therapy. That's just me. Uh, '90s new metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really. It's not really. It's not really '90s new metal, but uh, you know, borderline at times. If you're a if you're a fan of 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 you know mid to late '90s industrial music, I think uh, you know I think it's right up your alley. You know, what if I'm a fan of uh, mid to late '80s eight bit action platformers? Then you'll I'll definitely love Death Therapy. Gonna love yeah, that Belmont family curse. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but yeah, Living Sacrifice is. Um, they were that band that just kind of came out of came out of seemingly nowhere. Even though I know they they had been an established thing for probably about a decade uh, before I got into them, but uh, you know, yeah, they definitely ancient. yeah. But they 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 definitely um, they definitely no, they're were, old. You you didn't you missed what I was saying. I'm like trying to be I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be really nice. Um, but uh, but no, they they definitely like opened up the door for me, you know, to get into more extreme music. There's there's no way I would be into this stuff if I didn't like Living Sacrifice and Zayo. I was gonna say what I think Rocky's like only five years older than I am. Yeah, Jeff's Jeff's super old. Oh, man, <laughs> Rocky's in every band. Yeah, Rocky yeah. Rocky Gray is the guy that everybody calls first. He's awesome. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, that's that's a that's a nice title to have. Yeah. So I mean, the dude's literally all over the place, and still, uh, as far as I know, he's still in Living Sacrifice. Yeah. 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 His style kind of changed too uh, a little bit over in the in the Living Sacrifice camp, as far as like. I kind of felt like, you know, obviously hammering process and even conceived in fire, you know, like somewhat more melodic and ghost thief. And uh, I was waiting infinite, for you to bring ghost it up. Thief, yeah. Ghost thief and infinite order, you know, were definitely more, um, more, I guess, thrash metal oriented and not so much. Uh, I was a little surprised to hear the singing on ghost thief. Well, I don't think that was him singing. It was wasn't, it? but it was a surprising thing to hear. Because <laughs> I think he sang on, uh, he sang on the hammering process. Yeah, he did. I think that was like him and Arthur. Him and Arthur, yeah. Dude, Arthur Green is a terrifying human being. The first time I saw him, he was like humongous. <laughs> um, we uh, we saw we saw a living sacrifice in uh, Joplin, Missouri, <laughs> a few years ago. It was the uh, it was the strongest stronger than hell tour, and because uh, I'm going to text him that right now. I had seen the dude. I had seen the dude several times. You should text him that and then tell him to come on the show. But uh, we uh, we texted or no we uh, we didn't text him. We didn't text him. Oh, I'm getting all confused. It's that thick burger man. It's getting into my brain. But uh, <laughs> wow, that man is humongous. Well, no, I don't mean like that, but I mean like just like intimidating, you know, <laughs> like, right, um, you know, like he's he was uh, he was much larger than I thought that than, than I was expecting, and uh, 
It was really... I remember me and my friend Buddy were referring to him as the Arthur Green Giant pretty much the rest of that weekend. <laughs> okay. You're giving me so many good things to text him. <laughs> it's perfect. I think, I think he's still in Europe, though, so he won't get this. It's like four in the morning there. Wow, they're still over there. Well, he is. I think he and his wife are having a little vacation. Oh, that's cool. I have not been <laughs> yet. but So we've met, we've at least mentioned all of their albums, so... What what is what is uh what is there that we should say about the last uh, the most recent of their albums, which was what four 20, years ago now? Twenty thirteen, yeah. Ghost Thief. What do you guys think of that one? I like that one. Um, I think to be honest, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed Infinite Order. Um, oh, I, mean, I like it way more than Infinite Order. Really? Yeah. I think I, I, I felt like Infinite Order was was good, but for some reason it it, uh, it was missing something. I really don't know what it was, but but I feel like uh, Ghost Thief really really brought that brought it back for me. So for you, Infinite Order was kind of like they were stretching and getting ready, <laughs> and then yeah, uh, a little bit, yeah. And that's that happens when you get old. Yeah, yeah. I'm you starting stretch to stretch before you do things. I'm like starting to learn all about that. Yep. Yeah, I think it's probably number three on my list. Well, what's number one? I mean... Oh, the hammering process. Oh, yeah, that's right. Percussionist fanboy. Give me that conceived in fire. But no, yeah, I really really like Ghost Ghost Thief. Um, For some reason, I did like... I guess for some reason, I enjoy the melodic living sacrifice a little bit more, whereas uh, Ghost Thief was a little bit more brutal. And it's not as if, like, I can't take brutal music, but um, for some reason, I just think... Just admit it. Yeah, I just... um, Just can't handle it. <laughs> Tell the truth, you Liberate fanboy, you. All right, yeah, but no, I, I, I like the I like the melody on Infinite Order. I felt like uh, I felt like uh, Ghost Thief was just a little bit more um, a little bit more crunchy, and I, for some reason the song just didn't stick with me. Well, we can't be friends. We screwed We're so up. close. We screwed it up, guys. Big time. <laughs> As if all my technical failures hadn't. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's not my favorite record of theirs. It's probably my, it's probably my fourth favorite record. But I would, I would put it before Infinite Order in my mind. It's one of those things. Whenever I say I don't like a Living Sacrifice record as much as another one, what I really mean is like it's really, really, really good. I just don't know how if it's the best for a Living Sacrifice, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a distinction there uh, because it's like I was just excited. Children. Well, no, I was excited when Ghost Thief <laughs> came out because it was like it just kind of came out of nowhere. There wasn't like for Infinite Order, there was like almost like two years of hype yeah. <laughs> behind the it. You know? well, yeah, because yeah, yeah, they, they had the hiatus, hiatus and they knew they were coming back. That's a lot of pressure. That might have been part of the reason why it was a bit of a letdown for me. But that's not the the first time that it, that's happened with me with an, with an artist. Where yeah, I think that's possible. The the yeah, the more hype there is, the the more you get excited for it. In because that's kind of how I felt. Like I'm gonna I'm a Star Wars nerd, so the Phantom Menace. I was so excited, so pumped up, mm. and then it came out, and I'm like, okay, I need to watch it again because I didn't. I don't think it was that good. I watched it again. I'm like, okay. I, th- I don't think it was that good. Let me watch it a third time. Yeah, it, it's it's really not that good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still good because it's a Star Wars movie for me. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, so <laughs> I think I kind of I kind of treated it the same way. It's just like okay, yeah. I, I I think I was just a little too much 
anticipation and a little too much hype for me. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of natural though. I think our expectations make a huge difference in, in how we, you know, approach the thing. Like that new Nickelback, which you guys all love so much. Oh, yeah. Totally my favorite band. It's sitting on your shelf time. with all your cassettes right now. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a lot of cassettes. But I actually have the first uh, first three Living Sacrifice albums on cassette. These guys listen awesome. on YouTube, but I was listening on cassette. I had so. no choice. I had no choice. I was trying to get you to leave the CDs at my house a couple weekends ago. Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah. I, just, I don't trust people with my Living Sacrifice stuff. Oh, you should trust um, me. Yeah. Jeff, you're the least trustworthy person in this room. Why? Because he'll never get them back. Oh, that that's a that's totally a swipe at me because I still have a bunch of Joe stuff that I still have to. I repair. also <laughs> I also have the hammering process on vinyl, uh, which was a pretty rare find. Um, actually, it was a Cornerstone Festival, and this guy's like, "You got twenty bucks," and I was like, "I guess so," and he gave me a <laughs> hammering process vinyl record signed by Bruce and the whole thing was just kind of weird and yeah, it was yeah. well, well worth that $20 though absolutely yeah I mean I've got Reborn on vinyl somewhere I think I have somewhere. Donna Summers on uh, vinyl like all of her stuff wow dude <laughs> he's going all Andrew Schwab so we had uh, we had Andrew Schwab on the show a few uh, I guess a couple months ago and uh, he was having the hardest time uh, deciding what band to talk about and uh, <laughs> he ended up he ended up picking the Mars Volta, which was kind of a stretch for a metal podcast. But um, he's like, "Well, it's a lot better than my original choice. His original tra- choice was Lana Del Rey." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was like, when he told I us think- that, when we told us that, we were like, "Are you are we being punked?" Like, <laughs> you being schwabbed? Yeah, and we still don't know if Schwab. he was being serious or not. We're still like, man, he said it so deadpan and so well. We're like, uh, okay. We yeah, I know. <laughs> we weren't sure. It was definitely one of our weirdest, uh, weirdest guest appearances, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a <laughs> lot of fun. Well, I'm going to make this one really weird and awkward, and say I probably got to go. Oh, it's <laughs> right. perfectly fine. That's totally cool, cool dude. Well, I know you just came back from Europe, but is there anything you want to plug or anything you want us to put a link on? Um, I mean, the record is uh, is actually still fairly new. It hasn't even been out a year yet. Um, the storm before the calm and definitely need grassroots support on that because death therapy is a very uh, indie sort of band in the true, like traditional sense. Like um, it's not trying to like say we're really, really small, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just kind of a word of mouth band. Sure. Very few yeah. people still know about death therapy. So it's kind of one of the, the best hidden secret of, uh, of the heavy metal world right now. And then I think a lot of people that hear it, they don't know everything that's going on with it. So they come see us live and they're like, Oh, I didn't know there were just two people or, Oh, I didn't know you were in this band. Um, so, so yeah, basically that's what I would want to plug to people is check it out. If you haven't, um, share it with people if you like it for sure. Well, we, uh, I have the record. Uh, I really enjoy it. And, uh, we, uh, we definitely will link all of that stuff, put links to all the death therapy stuff, and uh, and we look forward to uh, whatever we're going to get in the future. Awesome. I'm looking forward to making making a future. Well, Jason, right. thanks a lot, man. Thanks for taking the time. We yeah, appreciate I appreciate it. you taking the time out, man. I know it's uh, it's hard with, uh, with life happening. Thank you, guys. You're very welcome. Thanks. Talk to you. All right, so that was Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy, a band you should definitely be checking out. 
that band is amazing. It that is, man is it, amazing. Yeah, Everything it, is amazing. Yeah, for the the fact that two people make that much noise and it sounds that good. Yeah, it's definitely worth a listen. I would ask Buddy, the resident expert, about the makings of a death therapy record, but uh, I would say he should refer you to episode nine of Discography Discussion, where we discuss death therapy. Old school. It's amazing. In so depth? <laughs> depth therapy? Depth therapy? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Diphtheria? So, yeah, so that was uh, that was Jason Wisdom. I, he had a lot of really good stuff to say. Mentioned Extol, which is a band that we probably need to talk about soon. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, Death Therapy actually has a album out called The Calm Before the Storm. You should definitely check it out and uh, definitely give that band a listen because uh, they really fit in very nicely to what we're going into next week, which will be Industrial December. We're going to come back and hit you guys with a band called Cybreed. Oh, oh, yeah, that yeah. might be one of my favorite bands of all time. It's the last Jeff recommendation I'm taking. I know, and it's well worth it for at least. I don't the even next have to do months. any homework. Woohoo! Good stuff. <laughs> what is your album of the week, Dan? Uh, well, I've been listening to um, this band called uh, Shit Catacomb, <sighs> and their album's called like The Maze of Kadath. I'm listening to it on YouTube. It's fucking awesome. Buddy, what about you? So, I have not. I don't, I don't even know what you what you would call it. it's drone drone doom because I've been listening to a lot of Sun O. Hell yeah, yeah, hell okay. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate though because a lot of what I've been doing at work recently has been a lot of pair programming, doing some stuff, and so I haven't had time to actually like sit and listen to things. Rub the butter on your arm, watch <laughs> the butter melt, and lick the <laughs> butter from your arm. Got I will it. say one song that I've been listening to on repeat for whatever reason. Uh, I found this band called the Necromancers. They have an album called Servants of the Salem Girl. Yeah. Hell yeah. Super satanic, but their song <laughs> Salem Girl Part 1 is amazing. Is it as remotely satanic <laughs> as Ghost? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I can't comment because I've never is listened more, to Ghost. Is it more satanic than Bloodbath? You uh, freaking wimps. No, no. What about Bible Black? I'm pretty know. sure Bloodbath is, can, no. is like made out of Goatman. I'm pretty sure Goatman. <laughs> Did I get a no on Bible Black? <laughs> we'll talk later. By the way, that that song, I'm, I'm not that big of a fan of the rest of the record. It's okay, but you know that one song though. They've got a. It's amazing. I listen to it on repeat. All right, Jeff, give me your album of the week. Oh, La Partition by Uneven Structure. Fucking love that shit. I know. Dan gives me shit. I like my technical weird ass stuff. I liked that, but I don't know. Mythos by not, Soul Embrace. It's not album of the week material. Well, Mythos by Soul Embrace. Both is. his album of the week material. Yeah, that's because it's got Rocky Gray in it. Rocky Gray's all over. You know what else Rocky Gray is on? Project eighty six. Wait for the siren, which we'll also be talking about in December. Why so is it everything Rocky that. Gray touches turns into gold? turns into pure gold. Well, one of the things he touched turned into platinum, and then he got kicked out of the band, but we won't talk about that band. The whole band got fired. He didn't get kicked out, necessarily. Well, <laughs> Amy Lee kicked herself out of the band. <laughs> I'm done! I'm Fire finished. me! I'm censoring that name. Later, bitches. And on that note, this has been episode 39 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. 
Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your buddy. Anybody want to listen to uh, Cameron Process right now? Get out of my house. <laughs> I think everybody should listen to the Hammy Process. But we have to get out of your house first? Oh, no. Is no, that the deal? Right. No, we're going to go to Taco Bell. Oh, okay. 